Hey, Malachi here, pastor and founder of Life's Word Ministry. Welcome to our podcast. I pray that what you hear will encourage, enlighten, and enrich your life. You know, it's our endeavor to share a word with you that will help you to live hope and change, to draw you closer to our Heavenly Father, as well as strengthen your walk with Christ, using the Word of God as our foundation. I can't thank you enough for listening and sharing our podcast with others. And now, here's today's message. Greetings to one and all. Thank you for tuning in to Life's Word Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Malachi, and I just want to say thank you to everyone that listens to our show. It's been a blessing to be able to come on and share from my heart what God has laid on it to share with you, to be able to encourage you in your walk with Christ. I want to give special thanks to those that are listening across the world And I'm going to name off some countries that are listening, and this is in accordance to the geographical location rating far as the highest listening audience. And I just say thank you to Philippines for listening. I really appreciate it. My mother-in-law, she's from the Philippines, and I know that because of her, some of this rating is based on her sharing our podcast. And Also, the United States is listening, Ireland, Germany, Austria, United Kingdom, Canada, Singapore, Japan, South Africa, Indonesia, India, Thailand, Hong Kong, Palestine, Mexico, Kenya, Argentina, Malaysia, France, and Norway. I want to thank everyone for listening in to Life's Word Podcast. Without you, there wouldn't be a show. So I really appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So with that, let's get right in. This is season four. And it's wonderful to be able to come back and share some new topics with you, some new lessons with you, some new messages with you. We took off a whole year because of COVID, but you know, that's not going to be our excuse for not sharing the word of God, because here we are, season four on Life's Word podcast. And so with that, I got a word for you. I know you're happy. Did you miss me? I've missed every one of you. Truly have missed you. It's great to be back in the studio again. So let's talk about seasoned for work that's going to be our topic for our very first show for season four we're going to be coming from second timothy four one through five and before we start let's go to the throne of grace in prayer lord we thank you for your grace we thank you for your mercy we thank you for all that you've allowed us to accomplish thus far. Lord, we pray for those that are affected by the COVID situation, those that may have lost loved ones during this sickness. 
I ask, oh God, that you continue to strengthen each and every one of our listeners, continue to encourage them. Let your word go forth now with power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And we thank you for this opportunity in Jesus name. Amen. Let's look at 2 Timothy 4th chapter, and we're going to read 1 through 5. I'm going to read this from the English Standard Version. And he writes, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. He says, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrine. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you. Always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. May the Lord bless you that hear his word. Seasoned for the work. That's what we're going to be talking about for a few moments today. Let me ask you this. If you were going to write your last letter, And you're going to write this to a dear friend. What would you write? Knowing that most people today do not write letters anymore because we usually send out what? Text messages, emails. No one sits down at their desk and breaks out a piece of paper and a pen and just sit and write. That's like a lost art form today. But if you were to write your last letter, what would you write? What would you say? In the legal profession, your last will and testament is said to be your last love letter to your loved ones. It's usually where people find out how well loved they are by either what was left to them or what wasn't left to them. But here in our lesson in 2 Timothy, we get to see what may have been Paul's final words to his protege and son in the faith. Timothy. First Timothy 1 and 2, Paul said to Timothy, a true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. By the time Paul wrote his second letter to Timothy, we find that the young pastor had been ministering to the church at Ephesus for about four years. And it had been almost that long since he had received his first letter from the Apostle Paul. Timothy had been a faithful servant to Paul since he had left his home to follow the Apostle more than about, I'd say, a decade earlier. But since then, Timothy had ministered alongside Paul for the duration of both the second and third missionary journey. He traveled with Paul in places such as Troas and Philippi and Corinth. And we also know that Timothy was not unfamiliar with the Ephesians when he settled in Ephesus to minister. 
having served there alongside Paul for a period of close to three years on Paul's third missionary journey. Paul wrote 2 Timothy to his young leader in the church at Ephesus to provide him encouragement and fortitude in the face of difficulties and trials. That's something to say when you're talking about a young leader of a church, that you're going to have problems with that church. So here Paul knew and he understood the problems of young churches and the issues that arose in some of the churches. So he wrote to provide him with encouragement. And we know that Paul was sitting in a dark, damp Roman prison cell just before his death in A.D. 67. It's amazing to find out here during this time, the Roman emperor Nero had been slowly descending into madness since his ascent to the throne in A.D. 54, a process exacerbated by the great fire of Rome in A.D. 64 that burned half the city. And here with the residents of Rome, all in an uproar, Christians became a convenient target for Nero, who used believers as scapegoats for his city's own lack of preparedness. You got to blame it on somebody, blame it on the Christians. Very easy targets. And Paul was one of those caught up in his persecution and was beheaded by Roman officials soon after writing this particular letter to Timothy. Now, in our opening text, Paul gives Timothy a series of solemn exhortations, encouraging him to be faithful to the truth about God and Jesus Christ. In verse 2, Paul commands Timothy to be ready in season and out of season. Reading the whole command here again, he said, as we opened up in our, our beginning, he says, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. He tells him, and I tell each of you that are ministers, that are spreading the gospel, that you're sharing the good news, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. What is he saying? Be ready when it's a time to preach and when there's not time to preach. When you feel like it and when you don't feel like it, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. He says, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience, and teaching. The word ready comes from the Greek word for stand. The idea is to always be standing by, always on duty, ready to go. It's like being in the military 
they're always ready to go. They're always on duty. The word also carries a connotation of urgency. In the original language, there's an urgency here. There's be ready, be ready to go at any moment's notice. A good example might be a soldier standing at attention, attentive and ready to assist at any moment. Timothy was to be ready in season and out of season. We're to be ready in season and out of season, constantly prepared to do whatever God is calling us to do. Timothy had to be ready. Whatever God was calling him to do, Timothy had to be ready. Here's something else that may interest you Bible scholars in the original language. The words for in season and out of season mean timely and untimely or convenient or inconvenient. The word for in season literally means good time and out of season comes from the same word, but with a different prefix, giving it the opposite meaning. Let me give you another occurrence of the same word found in Mark 14, 11. It's where Judas is looking for a quote unquote good time or quote unquote opportunity to portray Jesus. It says, and when they heard it, they were glad and promised him money. And he sought an opportunity to betray him. He sought an opportunity to betray Jesus. There's many times you're going to be presented with an opportunity. It's up to you to step into that opportunity or not step into that opportunity. We must be seasoned for the work by being ready in season and out of season. Are you ready to share the word of God? Are you ready to be called upon, if need be, to testify about the goodness of the Lord? Timothy is prepared to engage in the actions Paul specified. He said, preach the word, reprove, or in other words, correct. You have to be ready to reprove those that are doing wrong. You have to be able to correct them in love that they're doing wrong and rebuke and then encourage. Once you rebuke, you at least have to come back with some encouraging words and say, you know, I know what I said was hard. I know what I said was tough. But I want you to know that I said it in love. Timothy was to do these things, whether it was convenient or not. In every circumstance, he should be ready to proclaim God's truth. In every and any circumstance, you have to be ready to proclaim God's truth. People don't want to hear the truth. They would much rather hear a lie than the truth. It's, the truth hurts. They would much rather you just lie to them so that that makes them feel good, makes them feel better. But you need to learn to tell the truth in love. It doesn't matter if it hurts their feelings because it's going to help them in the long run. That was Timothy's job as a pastor, regardless of his personal feelings or the audience's reactions. You know how it is when you're up speaking. You can see every facial expression. You can see the body language. You can see people sleeping. You can see people talking, passing notes. You, you can see people not paying attention. It's amazing what you see when you're in front of the audience and they they act like you can't see them 
in 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 5, he says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. They don't want to hear sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. That's what's happening today. People don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to be told that they're doing wrong. They much rather hear someone that will make them feel good, that won't address their sins, that won't tell them that they're doing wrong. And this is what we're living in today, right here, 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 5. And he says in the fourth verse, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. That's what's happening right now. People are not listening to the truth. They're not listening to the word of God. They don't want to hear the preacher. But he says in verse five, as for you. And I tell you the same as Paul told Timothy, as for you, always be sober minded, endure suffering, endure the talking about you, endure the scandalizing your name, endure the persecuting you, endure all of that. Do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. Whatever your calling is, you need to fulfill it. Whatever you feel that God has placed in your heart to do, you need to fulfill that call, that desire that you have. This second letter to Timothy offers a picture of Paul at the end of his ministry, just before his death. Certain personal details in the letter reveal a man settling his accounts and preparing for the inevitable. He knew he was about to die. He knew he was about to be killed. So what did he do? He didn't feel sorry for himself. He didn't have a pity party. He didn't say, woe is me. Oh, why? Oh, I need your help. You didn't come see me. I'm about to die. No, Paul was sending out letters to encourage the church, encourage his young ministers, encourage his young pastors, because at the end of the letter, at the close of Paul's letter, he mentioned a significant number of people who had wronged him and others who had served him faithfully by his side. If you would read 2 Timothy 4, 9 through 21, and I'm going to read this through the English Standard Version as well. Paul writes and says, do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Cretans have gone to Galatia. Titus has gone to Delmicia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me in the ministry. Titus, I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I had left with Carpus at Troas, also the books and above all the parchments. Alexander, the coppersmith, did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me 
the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly throne. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. You know, that's an amazing part of Paul's letter where he discusses those that were with him, those that were against him, the things that he needed at his last day. It is as if Paul were giving Timothy a state of the church address, updating Timothy on the current state of their acquaintances and friends so that the young pastor could carry on after Paul's departure. He wanted him to do his best to come before winter. Why? Because one, he knew it was very difficult to travel and journey through the winter. And two, he knew his end was near. Paul was settling his accounts. He was letting his writers know, you know, I'm not going to be here long, but this is what I want you to do to be encouraged and to continue in God's work. What about us today? Like Timothy, we are commanded to always be ready, always be seasoned for God's work. First Peter 3.15, if you would read that, says, but Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Not the fear that's that's scary fear, but this is a reverence fear that we have of God's word. Be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks, why are you so happy? Why do you have so much hope? Why is it that you're so upbeat? That's your opportunity to share God's word. First Corinthians 16 and 13 says, watch, stand fast in the faith. Be brave, be strong. You don't have to worry about people. You don't have to worry about what they do to you. You don't have to worry about them talking about you. God says, be steadfast in your faith. Be brave and be strong. Galatians 6, 9 and 10 says, and let us not grow weary doing good. For in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all especially those who are of the household of faith. You know, over my lifetime, I have witnessed how easy it is to quote unquote clock in and clock out of our faith. People don't stand on their faith as they should. Erroneously believing that we represent God at church, but not throughout the week. We talk about faith, but yet we do not believe in the faith we declare. I call it Christian atheism because we talk about how God can bless us and doubt when our money is low. 
We can talk about God's healing power and second guess his timing in healing us. We say we believe every word that is spoken in the word of God, and yet we don't obey. You're a Christian atheist if that's you. This was not an option for Timothy. And it's not an option for us. Being Christians, being Christ-like, being a disciple of God, being followers of Christ. We are, as Peter said, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that we may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's what Peter said in 1 Peter 2, 9. You know, whether we are speaking to a crowd or changing attire, we should be seasoned for the work. And what is the work? The work is proclaiming the good news. Be ready in season and out of season. Declare his praises and his truth to the watching world. They're watching. They're paying attention. They might not read their Bible because they're too busy reading you. You know, the most striking feature of Paul's encouragement comes when the aging apostle used a phrase that showed up prominently in his letter to Timothy four years prior. In that early letter, Paul exhorted and charged Timothy in his first letter to fight the good fight. That's what he said in 1 Timothy 1.18 and then 6 and 12. He says, fight the good fight. But in this letter, Paul turned that phrase on himself, writing that he had, quote unquote, fought the good fight. He finished the course and he's kept the faith. He know that his time is near and he know that his day of being with God was vastly approaching. What great encouragement it must have been to the young pastor of the church of Ephesus to know that his mentor boldly modeled his perseverance in faith, even to the point of death. Can we do that at the point of being persecuted? Can we stand up boldly and proclaim God's word? Second Timothy brings us to the brink of death, forcing us to consider its reality and how we might react when faced with it ourselves. And it's not the, that we face death, but it's facing embarrassment. It's facing persecution. It's facing problems. It's facing trouble. Paul's response instructs us today. His mind was not on himself dwelling on the injustice that had befallen him. Instead, trusting that God had him right where he wanted him in his old age and final days on earth, the apostle turned his attention to others, specifically to the church and to his young protege, Timothy. Where's our attention? Is it on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter? Is that where our attention is? We spend more time checking our news feed than we do reading God's word. The scripture is a thorough equipping tool, providing doctrine, providing reproof, 
providing correction, providing instructions so that everyone may be equipped for every good work. Second Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. It's profitable for reproof. It's profitable for correction. It's profitable for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete. And I say woman of God as well, may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. You got to be seasoned for the work. You got to be seasoned for what is coming. Using scripture, the leader is to lay the foundation. If you're a leader, if you're conducting Bible study, if you're conducting any type of meeting, you must lay the foundation, provide direction, confront others when they err. How are you going to be a good leader if you don't confront those that are constantly going astray, doing wrong, correct their behavior and help them? Now, this is the most important part. Help them progress again. Don't just stomp on their head. Just don't scream at them. People don't want to be screamed at anymore today. People want to hear the word of God. They want to be taught the word of God in love. They want the word of God to be shared to them in a way that they can understand it, for one, in a way that they can receive it in a childlike manner. That's all in the process of being seasoned for the word. Well, that concludes our podcast for today. I trust you were blessed and enjoyed what you heard. Be sure to tune in again right here on Life's Word Podcast.